0: What is up, Nets world? You know what it is, the Believe in Nets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, your one-stop shop for everything happening across the sports and entertainment world. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com, and we're recapping another Brooklyn Nets W, their seven straight blowout 143-113 over a shorthanded Golden State Warrior squad. And the Nets came out on absolute fire in this one you know the headline of the game was the historic first half performance and that was really great to see because they obviously started extremely slow in their last two wins fell behind by 18 in Toronto needed the Kyrie step back buzzer beater to get the W there then fell behind again by 19 against Detroit and needed a 26 point third quarter from KD just absolutely insane to get the win there and the team really seemed focused on improving their starts heading into these next few games you know Jock Vaughn gave this quote after Tuesday's practice There definitely has to be an increased level of focus and readiness. You don't want to go into a game and dig yourself into a hole like we had the last two by double digits because there might not be any digging your way out of those. Royce O'Neal added, we've got to raise our level of play the way we've been playing. Sometimes we can't come out with that lack of energy. We've got to set the tone from the jump and we've got to execute. And that message clearly resonated against an inferior team. Obviously, the Warriors without Steph Curry, without Klay Thompson, without Andrew Wiggins, Dante DiVincenzo didn't play either. They're on the back end of a back-to-back, got blown out by the Knicks the night prior. But we've seen plenty of games against inferior teams where the Nets either come out unfocused or they build a really big lead and we let them come back. I mean, we saw that against the Charlotte Hornets earlier. We've seen that against a bunch of teams and they really stepped on the neck of the Warriors from start to finish. I said that historic first half. These first half numbers are insane. I mean, 91 to 41 first half advantage. That's a franchise record for points and a half. That's the third most scored in a first half in NBA history. The 40 point margin is the biggest halftime lead in franchise history. And it's also the 15th 40 point halftime lead in NBA history. So, you know, they really made history with that first half performance on just insane offensive efficiency. But a big part of that was the defensive intensity out of the gate. And, you know, the first two plays of this game, Defensively for the Nets, they actually weren't locked in. They had two miscommunications that led to layups by Draymond Green. And Vaughn called timeout after the second one. And if you know anything about Jock Vaughn, which it you know it can't be any further in the opposite direction of Steve Nash, is that he doesn't mess around with the timeouts. If he sees something he doesn't like on a play, particularly defensively, he's gonna use it. And from that point on, after that timeout, the Nets won on a 38 to 13 run. They forced the Warriors into 13 turnovers for the half while committing just two of their own. They had a nineteen to zero advantage in fast break points in the first half. And if you do that, you know, the offense is going to start to get its flow. Guys are going to start to get in rhythm. That's what we saw with their three point shooting. And Kevin Durant was asked about those quick timeouts by Jock Vaughn after defensive miscues. And this is what he had to say post game. Just log back in. I mean, um we understand we made a mistake, but to you know have your coach come back and you know, everybody on the bench and the coaching staff reiterate what happened, and we can watch it on the tablet and see. Um, it's always beneficial for us. So I love when he does that. I mean, that just keeps us on point, uh, keeps the coaching staff and everybody on point, the arena on point. Just knowing that we we're trying to win this game, you know. So um, I like the sense of urgency, and Josh been doing that since he became a coach, and I think. Uh, well, I was about to say he does it. He's been doing it less, but I feel like the last couple of games, he's been calling him quick timeout. So we don't want to have him do that, you know, going forward. You know, we want to try to play through that stuff. And uh, But I appreciate that as a player. So you see, that's just an example. And it seems like the players are really taking to Vaughn's coaching style since he's taken over. And that's just, you know, one example of the many of how he's really lending his style to these players. And they're really starting to believe in the system that he has in place And just talking about a couple guys who really opened up this lead early offensively for Brooklyn, I want to start with Royce O'Neal. 14 points, 5 of 5 shooting from the field, and 4 of 4 from 3 in the first half. Just an absolute explosion from Royce. And the performance comes after O'Neal broke out of some extended struggles in the win over Detroit He scored 11 points on three of four shooting from three in that one. And this is significant because Royce was struggling in a big way before that Detroit game. He was 15 of 57, 26.3% from the field and 10 of 38, 26.3% from three in eight games prior to that. And, you know, he's an important player for this team. He started all but one of Brooklyn's games this season. So to see Royce really start to gain some confidence, take some shots in rhythm, even take some difficult threes and hit them is a positive sign for a Nets team that needs the spacing outside of Joe Harris because obviously we've seen Seth Curry, the other sharpshooter on this team, has his deficiencies on the defensive end and gets played off the floor often. So you need that bigger guy with the added size and Royce O'Neal to add that spacing. So it's nice to see him get going after some extended struggles. And then obviously KD, 21 points on eight of nine shooting in the first half for this season. KD is up to 30.1 points per game and the efficiency in which he's doing it with. Is just insane. He's posted the league's best field goal percentage at 56.4% among 30 players attempting 17.5 or more shots per game. He has a 67.2% true shooting percentage. That would be the highest true shooting percentage by a player to average 30 points in a season in NBA history. So just absolutely incredible offensive efficiency. And Steve Kerr spoke about uh, KD's before the game and his offensive performance to open the season. And he said, he's just one of the great scorers of all time. He's a phenomenal shooter. He can get any shot he wants. He's the same guy. He doesn't look any different to me than he did a few years ago when he was playing with us. And that's really the case with KD and the story of this season for the Nets to open. Is KD, 34 years old, coming off that Achilles. There were obviously the doubts about would he ever get back to where he was. And he's playing the best basketball of his career right now in terms of his offensive numbers. And to be doing that at this advanced age, you know, at having that major injury on his resume that's really just a testament to the way he prepares and him just you know, you see a lot of superstars in this league who start out you know really promising and they finish with great careers but they don't actively improve throughout that and that's really what sets the guys like KD, the guys like Steph, the Pantheon all-time greats apart is they add to their skill sets every year and KD's talked about it with teams double teaming constantly. He's talked about reading defenses, him finding new ways to get to his spots, him finding new ways to get these shots off. It's just that constant improvement of his basketball IQ and also adding those different skills to his repertoire that's really lended itself to him having this this historic start to the season and you know KD is in the of the MVP conversation now, or he hasn't been, but he should be, in my opinion. He hasn't been getting a lot of love. He's been getting a little more recently, but still not a lot. I mean, here are the current odds for MVP via FanDuel. Jason Tatum and Giannis are tied for first at plus 270. Luka Doncic is third at plus 480. Nikola Jokic fourth at plus 700. Joel Embiid fifth at plus 1100. And KD comes in at sixth at plus 1200. And if KD keeps up these offensive numbers with this level of efficiency, I mean, you would expect a little bit of drop off. But if it's anywhere near that, and if the Nets keep winning, which if you look at their schedule, it's not that far fetched, the Nets played. I think the most back-to-backs in the league the first half of the season, and they don't have many at all in the second half. So they have a big advantage in terms of schedule. If they can push towards the one seed, they're two and a half games back right now with KD putting up these kind of numbers. Plus 1,200 is great value. And you can find that as high as plus 2,500 on some books still. It was plus 3,000 last week. So if you got it or get it at those numbers, I mean, good for you because that's some incredible value for KD to win MVP given the kind of performance he's putting up and what with the Nets just streaking up the Eastern Conference standings. But obviously getting back to the game, the Nets end up winning this by 30 points. Golden State cut it to 18 at one point in the fourth, but TJ Warren and Markeith Morris came up big. They hit back-to-back threes to extend it back to 24. And if you more guys, I just want to touch on quick – You know, TJ Warren finishes with 12 points on five of 10 shooting. It was nice in this one because with the Nets up by so much, you got to see him get some of those ISO looks to show what he can do. And, you know, the biggest part of it for me was that he looked confident from three in this one. He hit two of three from deep. And that's a really good sign because, you know, TJ is a true three level scorer. He shot. 40 plus percent from three in his last two seasons with Indiana. And that's a big part of his game alongside KB and Kyrie, or it will be. So it's nice to see that get going because it really hasn't been there yet with him working off his injury. He's looked great. He's an absolute maestro in the mid-range game. He's played really really solid defense so to see him add that level to his game and start getting that three-point stroke going has really been big and then two more veterans patty mills looked great after not playing since that thriller shorthanded win in indiana 13 points five of five from the field three of three from three and he just looked confident man i mean his stroke looks smooth as ever moving into those movement threes and you know patty gets a fair amount of hate in nets world and I understand the reasoning behind it. He's making $7 million for the next two seasons, and he's not in the rotation right now. And obviously he's Sean Marks's boy that played a role in the signing and it doesn't look good when they let Bruce Brown walk for the same amount to go to Denver with how he's been playing as a high level point of attack defender as a 40 plus point, three point shooter, you know, an archetype of a player that they could really use to let him walk in favor of a guy in Patty who's not even in the rotation. Now it doesn't look good. And I agree it was the wrong move, but at the end of the day, Patty Mills is still a vet. He's still not a bad guy to have on your bench. He still brings that professionalism, which we saw in the Indiana game. I mean, what he did in that Indiana game with the shorthanded net squad, mostly young players in there, it was absolutely massive because he provided that calming presence, that veteran leader down the stretch. I mean, Patty Mills in that game played 34 minutes. He's 24 points on 10 of 20 shooting, made multiple huge plays down the stretch in the final minutes. So I understand the hate. I understand understand the issue with the nepotism and with him getting that that money over Bruce Brown a guy who would probably be in the next rotation right now and be playing a significant role defensively or you know significant two-way role but I do think some of that hate can be overzealous at times because Patty does have some value to this team as a professional as a veteran as a guy who's won a title and just as a guy who can at the end of the day can knock down shots off the bench if you need him to then another veteran, Markeith Morris, also had it going late. He stepped in, and he's provided some good basketball and spurts. He hit three triples in the fourth quarter, including that big one, as I said, to extend the lead to 24. So just good performances across the board. I think the Nets had 10 guys hit a three in this one. They had a season-high 21 threes, so they were really cooking from deep. Some more records in this one. The Nets recorded a season-high 42 assists. That's the most by any team in a game this season. That's the most by the Nets since 1994, and that's the third most in franchise history. Nine players reached double figures in this one, and that's tied for the most in franchise history. And, you know, the Nets are the hottest team in the NBA right now. They're on a league-best seven-game winning streak the Knicks lost last night at eight games. So the next seven game right now is the the longest current active streak in the league. They've won 14 of their last 17. That's the best record in the league over that span. Over their last 15 games, the Nets are first in offensive rating. They're 12th in defensive rating and they're third in net rating. And, you know, Brooklyn is now just two and a half games back of the Bucs for first in the Eastern Conference, which is pretty incredible given how they started. I mean, if you went back to the start of the season, plenty of people, myself included, I'd say the majority of the media, thought that this was heading in the direction of completely tearing it down, given the fact that Kyrie Irving was suspended for his anti-Semitic post. Steve Nash got fired. The team opened two and seven. KD was clearly frustrated. They had a bunch of guys injured. I mean, to see them turn around in this fashion has been pretty incredible. And to be two and a half games behind the Bucs for first in the Eastern Conference, they're one and a half games back of Cleveland for third. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And they're now going to step into a massive gut check two-game stretch against Milwaukee and Cleveland. And, you know, this stretch, as I just said, 14-3 and three over their last 17, it's been incredible for Brooklyn. But they haven't faced the league's top teams or really anything close to it during that stretch three of their 14 wins during that span are against teams who are currently over 500. And two of those three wins came against Portland and Memphis with Damian Lillard, John Morant and Desmond Bain, all sideline. So, I mean, Hey, you still got to beat the teams in front of you. I said it at the top of this podcast. We've seen plenty of teams in the NBA, especially this season with Utah, with Indiana, some of the teams that you expected to be in the basement, come out and beat plenty of teams who were supposed to be way above them. KD said it. Kyrie said it. Jokic Vaughn said it. At the end of the day, these guys are all still NBA players. It's not easy to win in this league, but the Nets, you know, the Nets have taken care of business, but obviously they haven't been facing those upper echelon teams. So to host Milwaukee Friday and then go to Cleveland on Monday... They have a chance to prove that they should be in that class. And it's a really big deal for them. And obviously, also a prime opportunity to make up more ground in the standings. So, Really excited going to going be at that game Friday, obviously, against Milwaukee. And it's going to tell us something about where this streaking Nets team, Kevin Durant, hopefully will get Kyrie Irving back. I, I didn't touch on Kyrie Irving. He was ruled out 30 minutes before this game with calf tightness. Obviously, it wasn't a huge factor given how the Nets played offensively. But they're going to need him Friday against Milwaukee. So we're going to get some updates from Jock Vaughn ahead of that game. But, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the rest of the streaking Nets, that improved support and cast, big-time matchup going to tell us a lot about brooklyn against milwaukee this friday so going to provide more coverage on that that does it for this episode of believe in nets you can follow me on twitter at eric slater underscore you can also go to clutchpoints.com to get all of my articles on the beat news updates analysis injuries everything relating to this Nets squad that does it for now and i'll talk to you guys soon